Normally, we'd already be eating cake, but this is a special service. We've had, and you know, the services, they go a little long, and I don't apologize when there's a lot of prayer requests. Do you? Because those are special times. I know it's not easy for some of you when your hearts are full, you have a, a real burden and you want to share it with the church family because when my heart gets full, my throat gets very narrow. And I don't know how sometimes you guys are able to do that, but I'm so appreciative that we're able to come alongside and pray with you. That's a big part of what being God's family is all about. And uh, we've, got, we've got a few teenagers here today. As I want to remind you, we're, we're going through a, a brief series looking at different points in our life, how God grows our faith. And our faith is grown through testing, through trials, through temptation. In fact, in the Bible, the same word can be translated as any of those. It can be a temptation. It can be a trial. It can be a test. And we are, we are as, the, as the image before you remind you, we are often, our faith is refined as pure gold. And, and the dross and the extra things are, are taken away through those times of testing. Last week, we, we encouraged those of us who are senior saints that uh, though we've come a long way and our, our tests and our trials and our temptations have changed, we still have those that we face. And uh, we can have a critical spirit, we can worry, we can uh, spiritually retire and, and throw all of our, our duty on somebody else. And, you know, it's every stage in life has, has a different thing. We're reminded, as, as you see before you uh, in James chapter 1, that we are to consider it not just a burden to be born, but to consider it joy. Not just joy, but pure joy. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. And as we look today, not at the seniors, but those who are who are growing, the young people, those who are coming out of childhood through adolescence to young adulthood, it's easy to sum them up and call them the teens. Though the, the tweens of today, the young kids between about 8 and 12, they're actually facing the issues that we faced as teenagers years ago. In fact, I don't think it's a, a stretch at all to say that the teenagers of today face uh, trials that uh, were just unheard of, unthought of just a few short years ago. They need our encouragement. They need our support. They need our understanding. They need our prayer. And so, of course, I've called today's message Teens on Trial. Teens on Trial. Boy, if I put teens on trial, you know it's that stereotypical thing. We have this stereotype of teens, don't we? They would be convicted in a heartbeat of sleeping too long, of paying not enough attention, of, of not getting their work done on time, of... of of having too much fun and not enough responsibility, in short, of being teenagers. You know, we remember, my, I had to ask my wife to remind me exactly how it went. Years ago, we have three sons. Some of you know all of our sons, but our middle son was, was a, bit of a, a bit different than his older and younger brother. Uh, and, that, of course, that is Luke. And I remember we were in Esterhazy, Saskatchewan. I'm the pastor of the church in town. And my little boy, he, he was young because he didn't have his training wheels off his bicycle yet. And I remember him sitting on his bicycle on training wheels right in front of our house, leaning on his handlebars, mesmerized. What was he watching? I'd watch him out the front window, watch him watch something else. He was watching the neighbors across the street. It was the Goodhand family, and they had teenage sons, and they were 
fascinating to Luke. He studied them just like a scientist would study animals in the wild. And he would watch everything they did and, and their cars would roar up and their music would blare. And, and he came in and, and finally his mom asked him, Faye says, Luke, what, what do you find so interesting watching the kids across the street? What are you looking at so much? He says, oh, mom, he says, I want to be a teenager. <laughs> He's four years old, so... So she asked, well, what do you think a teenager is? He says, teenagers. He says, they, their cars, they drive their cars fast. And he says, and they play their music loud. And he says, and the girls are pretty and wear so much makeup. He said, oh. Some things don't change. You know? That's just a stereotype, but there's some reality there. So there's some truth there. But as I said last week, and we'll go pretty quick this morning, so, so uh, I don't want to rush it, but this is an important message for our, our, not just the teens to hear, but for us who love and support and pray for our teens, that we all have unique struggles at different points in life. And remember, there's a, there's a, a wonderful passage in the prophet Joel that speaks of mankind facing the day of the Lord that we all go through times in life where decisions need to be made. I love that verse. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. And there's no time in your life that you make more important decisions and more poor decisions as our teenage years. We often encourage our teenagers. We wish we could have their healthy, young bodies with no aching joints and all the energy in the world, and we could marry that with, with an old person's experience and mind and wisdom, but it just doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. They're making important decisions, and they need your understanding. They need your prayers. They need your encouragement. They need your presence in their lives. They are making decisions. Just briefly, I want to... Just very briefly today, ask three questions when we think of our teenagers and for teenagers to ask themselves. Number one, who are my friends? So they're all saying that when you know a person's friends, you know that person. Who are my friends? Well, friends are important. And you know mom and dad, it's no surprise to you. It's kind of, it kind of hurts your heart a bit to understand that there are times in their lives that your teens, friends, are going to play a bigger role in their life than you. In some ways, they're going to be more important than mom and dad. When they're little, and you know, I love seeing those little pictures, Aisha with her hair sticking straight up, that one, and you know, and you see Allie in pictures, just her, her big blue eyes so full of innocence, who knew, you know? And uh, we wish we could keep them that way because they... Mom and dad are the, the sun and the moon in their lives, the center of their universe. And we have them safe in our arms and under control. But there comes a time when they're searching for who they are. And they're looking for acceptance outside the acceptance of mom and dad, which they take rightfully for granted. They want to fit in. And in fitting in, they want to see who they are. And so they choose a friend group, hopefully, that reflects well upon themselves because the Bible says a lot about friendship. There are great examples of friendship in the Bible. We think especially of David and Jonathan, the love that they shared for one another, despite the strife between their households and the families. It was an incredible thing. 
Bible says in Proverbs chapter 27, we're going to dip into Proverbs a few times this morning because it's the book of wisdom, that the wounds of a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. A good friend, a true friend, is one that will tell you the hard truths. They'll let you know when you're, when you're going off track, when you're missing in action from the things you should be at, when you're not paying attention. That your actions, your words, and the things you do are hurting those closest to you. A real friend will tell you that. Those that go by the name friend, but they're not your friends at all. They'll, they'll just lead you on and go with you and they'll accept. They're very tolerant teenagers. They're very, they're very idealistic. They're very open-hearted people. And that's a wonderful thing to be. But sometimes they, they'll see you going down the wrong path and they'll just accept it. Or they'll join you and go with you. Bible says a good friend is important, just like a good neighbor. <laughs> Bible says a, clo- a neighbor is better than a distant brother. <laughs> you know, your neighbor will help you when your brother is far away. And friends are like that sometime too. But it's all about influence. Bible warns us against influence. We think of 1 Corinthians 15 as the resurrection chapter, and we should. But it also talks about the company you keep throughout your life. Paul says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Come back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning. For there are some who are ignorant of God. I say this to your shame. I think we all need friends that don't know Jesus. We need to show God and his love to them in a practical way. Be Jesus with skin on in their lives. There are times when we have to ask ourselves, which way is the influence going? Am I having a positive influence on this person who I call my friend? Are they having a negative influence on me? The Apostle Paul was concerned because in Corinth, that great big bustling secular city, a sinful city if ever there was one, they were having their friends draw them in the wrong direction. Bad company corrupts good character. And that's hard to hear because none of us want to think of a friend having a negative impact on us, but they can. Sometimes their, 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 their temper, their temperament can be a bad example to us. Again, back to Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 22. What does it say? Do not make friends with a hot-tempered man. Do not associate with one so easily angered or you may learn his ways. And get yourself ensnared. It's not just anger. There's a lot of addictive and destructive behaviors that we can learn from those whom we call our friends. We have to be careful that way. But there are friends. And, you know, I I encourage two out of three of my sons went to Bible college because I told them, I said, you know, you're going to make friends there that last a lifetime. You guys remember when we grew up, you had school friends. You had friends in your hometown, but then you moved away and you rarely if ever saw them again. You naturally exchanged the friends of your childhood, the friends of your teenage years with your adult friends. And you kind of traded up over the years. But with social media, you never lose your friends. You're always in contact. And that can be good in some cases, but it can hold us back sometimes too. We need friends. Hopefully you make friends like that. We need friends that 
are going to show us Jesus, are going to encourage us. Mentioned yesterday, Pastor Arnell at Aisha's party yesterday shared a passage that God laid on my heart as I was praying about speaking about the testing and the trials that our teenagers face. And he mentioned that wonderful, that wonderful incident from the Synoptic Gospels where Jesus saw four friends carry their paralyzed friend, dig through the roof, all to get him to Jesus. Can you imagine having friends that want to literally bring you to Jesus? You need friends to move you in the right direction sometime. It says in Mark 2, some men came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four of them. Since they could not get to him, get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof, the roof above Jesus, and after digging through it, lowered the paralyzed man who was lying on the mat on which the paralyzed man was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. He saw the faith of these friends. Oh, that Ali and Aisha have some good friends in their lives that point them to Jesus and that we be good friends to point others to Jesus. So who are my friends? Second question is, what has my attention? What do I spend my time? Where are my eyes fixed? At men's breakfast recently, we talked about one person's One person's hobby is another man's waste of time. We talked about those things that steal away our time. And you ask yourself, COVID, it went up, I knew. But screen time, remember, that's a word that we parents invented a few years ago. We tried to limit our kids' screen time. Tried to add up television, computer. This is before their phones had screens. It was a little easier. Add up all the screen time and limit it. Give them a healthy balance. You know what screen time is for the average teenager now? This was from two years ago, so no doubt it's gone up. Average, some will be much more, some less, eight hours and 39 minutes a day on average. What has our attention? Well, some of that's social media, but for teenagers, even those that are connected in all the apps, that's usually about 20 to 30% is social media. Much of it is just watching videos, just different things, you know, and takes a lot of time, takes a lot of our attention. It's an incredible thing. We're talking about the digital age. For all of the good for this revolution, and it is nothing short of a revolution that you have lived through, future generations are going to look back to your generation say, how did those people cope? This was a bigger change than the printing press. Because before the printing press, we had books, handwritten. After the printing press, there's still books. They're just printed a lot quicker and there's more of them. But the digital age, the information age, the connectivity age has changed everything. All of the wisdom and the foolishness, the good and especially the bad of mankind is in the palm of your hand 24-7. It's all there. The vilest, most terrible people in the world have access to your kids through their smart devices and through the internet. We know that pornography is the number one driver of the technology of the internet. It's always been that way. And kids today, on average, are exposed to hardcore pornography around eight years old. What does that do to their little hearts and undeveloped minds 
and their healthy view of human sexuality. It's an incredible time we're going through. And our teenagers are right in the middle of that storm. Pray for them. Love them. Encourage them. Keep, keep open communication with them. There's some tips the Bible gives. Of course, media has changed from the Bible's time, but the human heart hasn't. Psalm 101 says, I will set before my eyes no vile thing. The deeds of the faithless men I hate. They will not cling to me. Men of perverse heart shall be far from me. I will have nothing to do with evil. Kids today are being bombarded with ideologies and messages that deny any truth exists. Not only God's truth, they deny God especially, but that any truth exists. Even simple biology has been thrown into question. You know, recently I heard a, a doctor say that actual, the mental illness of gender dysphoria, where people do not think they fit in the, the biological gender body that they are born in, that's somewhere between 1 in 10,000 to 1 in 30,000, the actual mental illness. But through social media, through the bombarding messages of the internet, you ask this generation of our teens today, how many of them are heterosexual? How many are something else? Well, that number has gone from 1% to 2% in actuality up to between 20 and 30%. Don't let people tell you that they're born this way. We're programmed this way through the messages bombarded to us in the palm of our hands. Proverbs chapter 4, back to the book of wisdom, tells us that all of this, what comes through our eyes and ears, affects our hearts, who we are in our core. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Put away perversity from your mouths. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Make level paths for your feet and take only the ways that are firm. Do not swerve to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. That is increasingly hard for teens today with all that they are exposed to. The, the message of the internet is deception, distraction, destruction. You say destruction? Pastor, that's a little harsh. I believe that we see the zeitgeist, the spirit of the age through the totality of the internet. That's all mankind out there anonymously just spewing forth their true thoughts. But behind it, I detect a malignant presence. I believe that we experience through the spirit of the age this crazy change, the upside down of turning of society through the handiwork of the ad adversary. It's a satanic, demonic spirit of the age that we experience. I think that's very clear. Speaking in John 10.10, 10, Jesus says of the destruction, the evil one, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. He says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. The apostle Peter, reflecting on his Lord's teaching, says, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And do you think that has changed today? That it is any less than what you see around you? 
Now, I think Satan's alive and well. He is busy. And so many of the victims in our society, if you want to turn a society and cause Judeo-Christian Western society to fall, you don't focus on the generation in power. You focus on the next generation. It's our young people that are the focus of this destructive movement in society. There's no doubt about it. What has my attention? And final question, who do I love? (laughs) Who do I love? (laughs) Rightfully, the younger generation today is called the selfie generation. (laughs) The selfie generation. I, I really, I pity the person someday who attempts to put together my funeral PowerPoint. I do. (laughs) There are no pictures of me. Very few. Yeah, there's a few. I take the pictures. My PowerPoint will be the thumb in the corner of the picture. (laughs) The shadow cast by the photographer when the sun was behind him. That's where you'll see me. If you're like me, occasionally you bump the button on your camp. You want to take a picture of your phone. We all do. But you bump the button and it flips to the forward-facing camera and you see yourself, your double chin, and it's up your nose. And, Nothing's more horrifying than an unwanted selfie. <laughs> this lady's smart. You don't get that double chin when you put the camera above you. These girls know. They know a good selfie. <laughs> they do. And, you know, they kids, they look good doing it. They really know how to present themselves. But we have to be careful because taken too far... That's not a modern phenomena. Do you remember the story of Narcissus? He's from Greek mythology. In central Greece, there's a picture of him here. There was a man named Narcissus. In the full bloom of youth, there was nobody, man or woman, more beautiful than Narcissus. You know, there's a story of the, the, the dryad, this forest spirit. Her name was Echo. She fell in love with Narcissus. And she kept yelling to him, Narcissus, you know... You know, I love you. And he'd just ignore her until finally she just disappeared, except for her voice. And that's what an echo is. You'd hear it in the forest, her voice coming back to you. Well, Narcissus, the Greek gods were upset with him. This man, his hard heart, caring only for himself in the full bloom of youth and beauty. One day while he was hunting, looking for his arrow, he was thirsty, and he bent over to drink from a pond, and he saw the most beautiful person. And his heart was stolen away by his own reflection. And there he stayed. Some of the telling of the myth said that eventually he faded away and all that was left was the Narcissus flower, which is still around today. You see it there. Others say that in the brokenheartedness of knowing that he could never, never truly have his beloved in the, in the reflection from the pool, that he took his own life. It's a cruel story. But from Narcissus comes narcissism, which is rampant in our world today. The selfie generation, we have to be on guard that we don't give our hearts first and foremost to ourself. Because the furthest away from being a follower of Jesus is to be a selfish person. That's the ultimate prideful sin, is narcissism selfishness the worst thing about a narcissistic personality disorder you have zero empathy for others just as narcissus he blew off echo and she died 
a narcissistic person today. They don't care about anyone but themselves. We have to be careful of that. Psalm 119. It used to seem so easy to speak a message like this. How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. The word of God is our bulwark and our safety from the narcissistic spirit of the age that we experience today. You notice it says that we pursue God and his word with all our heart. And friends, especially our teenagers, give your heart first and foremost, not to your friends, not to your family, certainly not to yourself. Give your best, give your heart to God. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 2, we shouldn't love this world. It says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, the boasting of what he has and does, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. It's about love, ultimately. I want the hearts of our young people to love rightly, to love the God who loves them. For this is love, not that we loved him, but he first loved us. While we were yet sinners, Jesus died for us. We finish with Jesus in Matthew chapter 22. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. That's my prayer for our young people today. As they love God, love others. In this, they will be the follower of Jesus that he desires them to be. As we pray, I'll invite Melody and the worship team to lead us in our closing song. And then the cake. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. Lord, it's a full and busy morning, but it is a good morning. It's so good to be together as the family of God, to pray together, to attend to your word, and to celebrate the young people among us at this milestone in their lives. Lord, we lift them up once again and pray that you would bless them richly, that they in turn would be a blessing to others, that for all of the love and all the grace that they have received, that their lives would not be a dead end, but your grace would flow through them into the lives of others. Lord, as Aisha has shared, she wants to be a caregiver. And Lord, I know that you're going to bless Allie and make her a blessing to others as well. And Lord, may this truth and this practical expression of your love be evident in their lives. We commit our young people to you, Lord, as we commit ourselves to love and counsel and walk with them through this hectic time of life where so many decisions are made. Lord, we give them into your keeping because you are their shepherd. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Aisha and Ali. We want to sing this next song as a blessing over you and for you. We pray that you remember that no matter what the twists and turns in your life, where it takes you, that God is always with you, he is always for you, and will always love you.
we send you out as light into the darkness, bringing his love everywhere you may go. You're dismissed. <laughs>